If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians and we're going to be looking at chapter 9 and we'll pick up at verse 6 down through 15. And so I, I want to just kind of get you ready a little bit because what we're going to do is we're really going to wade through a lot of material in regards to this passage because I believe that Paul is, is really speaking to us. And remember last week uh, we spent some time, we watched the video and we spent some time, you know, trying to you know, process the idea of what it means to shift from uh, being church centric to being kingdom centric. And I love the way that Reggie McNeil spoke about it when he said that, man, there's exciting things happening in the kingdom of God. And if we don't see it, if we're not a part of it, we're going to miss it. And and I, I don't know about you, but man, I, I just kind of. You know, I've just kind of had a renewal and I, I'm excited about God's kingdom and, and how he's going to open up our eyes and the potential of, of Mission Church of the Nazarene so that we're not just focusing on, you know, the halftime. I love that sports analogy, used the football analogy that, you know, for years we thought it was about the halftime, you know, gathered on Sunday morning. But it's beyond that. It's more than that. It's greater than that. It's the game when we leave the halftime. And yes, we need this time that we gather together and celebrate and worship, but it is just a preparation time for when we go out into the community and we really live out that life and we are being Christian and we are being the church for God's glory. Amen. You say, well, pastor, how, how are we doing that? I, I'm excited about what uh, Robert has done uh, down at Zephyr Hills. If you're not familiar, I've mentioned it a couple times, but if you're, you're a guest today, welcome. But I, I want to just kind of mention this one work as we're trying to get beyond ourselves and beyond this campus, um, just uh, about Three blocks down the road, there's an old Motel 6. They gutted, renewed. I mean, it's spectacular. It's fresh. It's, it's really a nice space. And uh, the Lord just laid on my heart. One day, we need a Nazarene church there. I, I uh, had Robert step up. And uh, Robert Churchman, if you do not know him, he is a part-time associate pastor here. And he said, Pastor, I'll launch that church. He did about eight weeks ago. And uh, last Wednesday, not this one, but the one before that, they kind of had a grand opening finally after about six, seven dry runs. And they had like 26, almost 30 people at that grand opening. We got some pictures there. And so they're just it's, it's exciting. And maybe there's a few that from that that ministry that are here this morning. I think there were a few in the, the first service. But anyhow, we're going beyond our, our four walls here, beyond this campus. And we're being the church. That's the challenge. That's part of capturing the spirit that I was talking about last Sunday when we were looking uh, here at Second Corinthians. And, of course, obviously, Paul was you know, speaking about that, that interesting, unique, that strange little church called the Macedonians. And, and this is not a stewardship series. The text, when we read the text, it sounds like a stewardship series. But I want to say that again. This is not a, a stewardship series. This is a generosity series. And we're talking about having generous hearts. And, and so what Paul, the apostles is doing, he's saying, hey, I want you to, as he's thinking about the readers, I want you to capture the spirit of the Macedonian church. Because, you see, that's what the kingdom of God is really about. And so he, he does it pretty well. And, and, and so we're going to take some time, like I mentioned, and we're going to try to really unpack what it is that Paul is, is saying. And, and it's going to take a little bit of work. So hang in there. We're going to just kind of go verse by verse, so to speak, or a couple of verses at a time. And, uh, and so let's just jump in. Second Corinthians chapter nine, beginning at verse six, looking at verse six and seven. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
generously, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard that phrase, I, I don't know how many times, if I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody say, God loves a cheerful giver, right? And uh, my mom and dad, they said that a lot to me as a young boy, trying to teach me about giving and being generous and tithing. And, you know, God loves a gentle, you know, a generous giver. In fact, every preacher, every pastor that I ever had growing up, I, I know that he preached this passage that God loves a cheerful giver. And that's hard to process as a kid. You know, because as a kid, we have toys, you know, we have stuff. And, you know, there's some things I'm okay sharing. I'm okay sharing this toy or these, the stuff that I have as a kid. But there's some things I don't want to share. In fact, I had a set of, of Hot Wheels. How many collected Hot Wheels at all? Anybody else had Hot Wheels? So I had Hot Wheel cars and I had a, a car case shaped like a tire, right? A car case shaped like a tire. And man, I, I mean, I picked out, I picked out the best Hot Wheels and I didn't want my friends to play with them because they push on them too hard and bend the wheels or they throw them or something. I mean, I protected these dudes. And, uh, I guess the embarrassing thing here that I need to tell you is I still have that case. In fact, I gave it to one of my kids and they bought some Hot Wheel cars and they played with it while they were growing up and they've left it at the house. But anyhow, you know, uh, when, when I'm thinking about this idea of, of being generous, but yet, you know, I, it's mine. It's my stuff. And I and I didn't want to share it. But yet, see, my parents knew that there was something that was deeper than just my emotions that was going on. What my parents knew is that there was a character building opportunity and that God, possibly the Holy Spirit, was trying to build my character by teaching me this idea of of kingdom generosity. That's what we're talking about. This idea of kingdom generosity, and really it's, it's the concept of sacrificial love. Because sacrificial love, it's sacrificial. Sacrificial love, it, it cost us something. And, and my parents, you know, was, was, you know, willing to, to do whatever they needed to do to help shape me that, that that character might be built up in me and that I might mature and I might respond in a way that would be spiritual rather than just in a selfish way. It's interesting. The Apostle Paul kind of touches on the very same thing when he's talking about, you know, moving from milk, you know, eating milk or drinking milk, which is, you know, kind of baby food to beginning to take in sustenance, deeper, you know, spiritual meat, so to speak. And he's he's challenging us as you know, as readers of the text that we might move from just milk, to we might begin to take in substance, something of more substance to take in spiritual meat, so to speak. And that's exactly kind of the challenge that we see here in this passage, that, that we might become generous in our spirit, generous in our attitudes so that we might, of course, reflect the kingdom of God. And then look at verse eight, just working together on this verse eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So why does he say this? Why is he saying that that we might, you know, in all things, at all times? I mean, why, why does he phrase it like that? Because, you see, the apostle knows that this is a challenge for us. And the challenge is that we make the shift. Just like we were shifting, you know, last week from being church-centric to being kingdom-centric. Now he's challenging us to shift from being self-centric to being other-centric. And I don't know about you, but, man, that challenges this guy. 
That challenges me because, you know, the, the tendency, kind of like a kid, it's my stuff. And, and, and so to shift from being, you know, self-centric to other-centric, you know, it stretches my spirit. But again, it, it is the very thing that helps us mature. It helps us, you know, to grow up and, and be adults, so to speak, in regards to our, our spirituality, man. And, and I know that part of this is this understanding that there is no greater blessing than we learn how to serve others. I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I've not experienced much of a better feeling than when I'm on a work and witness trip or I'm in the mission field and I work myself bone tired. I work myself so, so much that by the end of the day, I'm just worn out, but I'm not, you know, doing it for money. I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm just in the mission field and I'm serving others. And folks, there is no better feeling than that. I remember Heidi and I, my wife and I were in Guatemala and we were part of building a new church. There's about 70 people in the church and we were building a a church out of cement block and for a few days Heidi was bringing me the mud on a big square board that had been mixed up and she was bringing me the mud or the mortar and I was you know moving the cement block and I was laying the cement block and I did it so long so many days that my gloves my leather gloves are completely worn through and pretty soon my fingers were chafed and they were bleeding and, and we were working ourselves bone tired but man there's no better feeling Then when you're tired, when you're serving others, because you're doing it for the right reason, you're doing it for the kingdom of God. Amen. And you see, Paul is trying to help us, you know, kind of capture the spirit of what it's like, you know, in serving others. And and man, I'm saying it's it's better than Red Bull. (laughs) You know, you want wings, right? You want to really be blessed? Serve others. And as you serve others, God will bless you and you will have spiritual wings that are out of this world. Look at verse 9. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So who scatters their gifts to the poor? I mean, who is this? Who is he speaking about? He's speaking about those that are sowing. You know, those that that are sowing, which means that they are making something they are. They're making something that is a better future. They are creating something that that would not be unless we did the sowing. And it's that better future. See, part of the sowing, not just sowing like our sowing ladies meet on Saturday. We have a team of ladies that meet on Saturday and they sew things and quilt things. They make things and they give a lot of stuff away and they are blessing people making their lives better that they're they're giving their gifts to but this is sowing in a spiritual sense in a way that is creating a better future because we're now sowing for the kingdom of god and then you know i think of i'm not a scientist but i think of the phrase for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction i mean think of that the logic there for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction so the logic you know stands here that that as we are sowing and we are creating a better future because we're doing what god has called us to do in in kingdom generosity because we're we're again the challenge is you know generosity it's not stewardship generosity and in in fact the phrase we connect here at the end of uh, this verse here verse 9 is righteousness The righteousness endures forever. Why is that? Because God's heart is for the hurting and the discouraged, the poor, the disparaged. And God's heart will not rest. And God's heart is broken for those that are in need. And you see, the righteous understand the heart of God. Do you get that? The righteous understand the heart of God. They understand God's heart is hurting and God's heart is broken for those that are in need. And as we look at the needy around us, the the question is how... You know, how and what are we doing 
to satisfy the heart of God. In fact, here's a bold statement. The righteous will not rest. Here's here's the statement. The righteous will not rest and will not give up and will not be okay when there are needy, needy people to minister to. They will not be okay until they are ministering and, and helping meet the needs of those needy people. That's that's a bold statement, I know. And then we look at verse, uh, let's look at verse, uh, the next verse, verse 10 there and verse 11, both 10 and 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So now... We look at this passage and we find ourselves back in Genesis chapter 12, of course, where the Lord is speaking to Abram that you're to leave this place and you're going to leave your people. And then you're going here to this place that I have promised you. And then you're going to be blessed. That's what the Lord's telling Abram. And I will bless you and bless you and bless you. But I bless you so that you can be a what? So you can be a blessing. So I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. Again, the very same, you know, philosophy or kingdom generosity that we are blessed to be a blessing. And I mean, if that's so, then then how are we doing with that ourselves? I mean, we are blessed to be a blessing. So are we blessing others? How are we doing? You know, as a church, are we blessing others even as a congregation? I, I think we do in, in many, many ways. But I mean, are, are we doing all that we can do? And then continue with me, go to uh, verse 12. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. I love this verse. I love this verse. I mean, if there's a verse to get excited about, it's this one here, because it, it really speaking of, of, of the reality of our kindness and how our generosity produces the fruit of praise in others. In other words, as we are generous and as we bless others, because we have been blessed, as we bless others, that will result in some of those that we have blessed in praising God. Now, think about that logic for just a moment. I mean, let's say for an example, you know, 70 percent of the people that we bless or that we're generous to, let's say 70 percent of them, maybe they say thank you. Maybe they appreciate it. And, and maybe that 70 percent, they do not praise the Lord. They don't take the time to thank God or worship him or praise God. But let's say, I mean, just for conversation's sake, and I'm just picking a percentage. Let's say 30 percent of the people that we're generous with, the people that we're blessing, let's say 30 percent of those They begin to praise God and they begin to thank God for the blessing in their life. And so all of a sudden, I mean, think about that. We love to praise the Lord. We love to bless God. But now we are multiplying our blessing by being generous and by by doing what God is calling us to do, this kingdom generosity. There are people now because of that generosity. They are praising God and they're worshiping God. So we are now multiplying our praise and worship to God. Wow, that's awesome. Because, you know, God, he loves to be praised. He, he does. And, and in fact, if he's not praised, the rocks will cry out. That's what the scripture says. We can multiply the voices in heaven by our generosity and blessing others. You see, I love this. Paul is saying, hey, guys, capture the spirit here. And the spirit, it's having the spirit of generosity. Because, listen, generosity strikes at the core of the matter. 
generosity strikes at the core of the matter. I mean, I don't know if we can highlight that enough or I can say it enough times or preach it as often as, as, as necessary for us to get this, that generosity strikes at the core of the matter. In fact, I think of the revival as as the new church was being launched and 3000 were added to the number. And then we go to Acts chapter two and look at verse 45. And we read this, that they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. See, generosity is it's a heart symptom revealing the healthy heart versus the heart that's on, you know, life support. And this is kind of. It's, it's a recap from about four Sundays ago, but what is the opposite of generosity? We have it for you. What is the opposite of generosity? Let's throw that up there real quick. The opposite of generosity, what is it? It's greed, it, it's selfishness, and a harsh spirit. The complete opposite. And as long as we're greedy or chasing greed, you know, there, there is a fruit. In fact, let's look at the quote that we have here this morning. Greed is a bottomless pit which exhausts the person in an endless effort to satisfy the need without ever reaching satisfaction. Why is that? Because the more we have, the more we want, and the more we want, the more we have, the more we have, more we... It is this vicious cycle that we get caught up in. You see, generosity strikes at the core of the matter. Now, now to sum this up, Paul is pointing to the benefits of, of living Generosity, again, kingdom generosity. And truth be told, we love to memorialize our wisdom by using phrases. I mean, so that we don't forget that, that, that wisdom. Like, for example, in word form, in other words, like, for example, we say something like, a stitch in time saves what? Yeah, a stitch in time saves nine. Or how about this? Don't count their chickens before they're Hatch, that's right. Uh, or how about this one? Um, look before you leap, right? Or uh, one in the hand is better than two in the bush, right? And so in like fashion, Paul does the same thing here in, in regards to the Macedonian church. Go to the beginning of the text. Look back at the beginning of the text there. He's memorializing the wisdom in this sentence when he writes, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And it's really not that strange for, for the text or, or for Scripture, because in fact in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 we read, A man reaps what he what? A man reaps what he sows. So in simple terms, like in agricultural terms, we, we would say it like this, and maybe this kind of despiritualizes it, and I don't mean to do that. But in agricultural terms, we would say it like this. We harvest in direct proportion to what we plant. And for effect, it makes me want to say, how's the planting going? I mean, what are we planting? If we harvest mission, church, in direct proportion to how well we plant, then, then how are we doing And maybe perhaps the greater part of Paul's intention here is in verse 15. Go to the very last verse. Look at the last verse there. And he writes, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. For his indescribable gift. Do you know what the indescribable gift is? I mean, there's a lot, again, in the text that we're trying to pull out. But you know what the indescribable gift is? The indescribable gift is the favor of the Lord. It's not the tangible thing. It's not, okay, stuff. 
But it's the favor of the Lord. And the favor of the Lord means power. In fact, we look at verse 11. It promises to those who are generous, you will be enriched. Here's the promise. You will be enriched in every way. And then in another translation, it reads, make all grace. It will make all grace abound to the giver. Again, the grace is non-tangible, but it's what God bestows upon us. It is the grace. It's the favor of God. You say, well, pastor, why do we need the favor of God? Because you see, if, if, if it is the Great Commission, I mean, if, if we are to be like that New Testament church, we need the favor of the Lord. We need the favor of the Lord. And the favor of the Lord is his power, power to be witnesses, power to give testimony. We need power to do separate house. We need power to move beyond our campus, beyond these four walls. We need the power of God to pour down upon us so that we can be mobilized and we can go out and we can be the church. You say, why do we need the favor of God? You see, God knows we need his favor. God knows we need his favor. I mean, we, we, we need to know it. He gives us the power to live generously, power to be mobilized. He gives us the power. You say, well, well, pastor, how how do I respond? Well, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm I, I'm still trying to, to process. I'm still trying to process, you know, San Diego and the culture here. And and I'm just being transparent because, you know, uh, I, I love San Diego, by the way. My wife and I have had a blast. We've been, you know, just enjoying ourselves. We had come to San Diego, I think, five years in a row for a conference. Man, love to live in San Diego here. We're in San Diego. But man, I'm still processing the culture and, and, and trying to, you know, so how am I going to move beyond this campus? How is this pastor going to lead the way? In, in one, uh, one community where I pastored a, a Nazarene church, I, I uh, joined Kiwanis. I was a part of Kiwanis and I began to network with attorneys and doctors there in that club. And, and, and there was fruit and God began to bring people into our congregation. And, and then um, in Florida, I was a, a chaplain for Manatee County uh, Sheriff's Department, the largest sheriff's department, second largest sheriff's department in all of the United States. And, the, and I was a, a chaplain and, and I became friends with the sheriff and he called me to do funerals of some whole high profile people. And so these, this network began to happen and some of the deputies began to worship with us and they, they were introduced to Christ and came to our campus. And, and folks, what I'm saying is I'm praying I'm asking God, how can I move beyond this campus and and these four walls that I might be mobilized and be the church and be Christian and not just, you know, just be the pastor here at Mission Church of Nazareth. I'm proud to be the pastor here for you. But man, I, I want to be a believer first. I want to be a soldier of the cross first. I want to be relevant. I want to I want to impact San Diego. And you say, how? how? I don't know. Baby steps. Maybe it's baby steps. Maybe you're a soccer mom and you're going to bring refreshments and and somebody will ask you and you're just going to build relationships. And maybe it means a little boldness where there's not been boldness. And and I I don't know what it means for you to step beyond your comfort zone and and, and to begin to make connections with people. And and I'm not saying, hey, present the gospel. I'm just saying just make connections and build relationship and you'll never know what God might do through that. I want to challenge us this morning. I'm just having fun today. I want to challenge us. God's shaping me. He's moving my heart. And I'm going to be taking some baby steps. And I expect a lot that God is going to do something. But I want to challenge us as a congregation and just kind of have fun. 
um, out there in the foyer. In fact, Dave, would you do me a favor? And uh, there's a box underneath that table and there's more in that box and 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 uh, put all that's in the box underneath the table out on the tables. So out on the tables in the foyer, there are some bottles of barbecue sauce. OK. And what I want to challenge you to do, and by the way, I do not want to see one bottle of barbecue sauce left over. OK. Uh, and I, I want to challenge every one of us, whether we're single, whether we're married, every one of us. When you leave this morning, you walk out those doors, you'll see on the tables out there in the foyer, there's some barbecue sauce. Grab a bottle of barbecue sauce. And I want to invite you to use that barbecue sauce to go across the street or go to the cubicle next to you or a few cubicles down. And I want to invite you to invite somebody that is unchurched to come and have to your house for a barbecue and grill some chicken. Or, or, or hamburgers or something. Use the barbecue sauce and just make a connection that you've never made before. Because I don't know about you. I get in a rut. I'm in the routine. And, and I'm hungry to make new connections just to be Jesus. And, and again, I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to invite him to the church. I'm just going to make connections. And the Holy Spirit will make the rest happen. I know that. And so I want to challenge every one of us, before we leave today, you, you, you grab a, bar, a bottle of barbecue sauce and have a grill out and have somebody to your house that's unchurched and just develop a relationship with them. I'm sitting here trying to remember a, a cute little phrase that Jerry Goodwin gave me about something about now you're smoking now or something like that. Uh, I can't remember. He had a good good phrase that was uh, appropriate. But I, anyhow, so so I want to pray, and this is this is really odd. But I want to pray a blessing on our barbecue sauce, okay? And I'm going to ask God to bless that barbecue sauce. And even teens, grab it and have some of your teen friends over, and at least one that's not coming to church with you, and just develop and build a relationship that you've not built. And let's let's get mobilized. Amen. Let's pray a blessing on the barbecue sauce. Let's stand together. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, that, that Lord, I, I know even before, before it happens, I believe that, Lord, that there will be stories that will trickle in. Circumstances, situations, Father, of connections that are being made, Lord, as, as we reach out to our neighbors, like the neighbor that's catty corner to my left of my house, that Heidi and I want to connect with this couple They've expressed, they have two little kids and expressed that they don't have a church yet. They're open. Lord, help us connect. Help Heidi and I connect there. And Lord, I pray for the other connections. As we take this barbecue sauce and we invite somebody over, somebody on church, and just begin to build a relationship. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do. But Lord, move us. Lord, awaken us. Help us be your church. And Father, help me lead the way, Father. As pastor, help me lead the way, Jesus. I can get into this community, love on some, love on some people, make connections that need to happen. Because I believe, God, that making room for you to work in our life and through our lives into this community, Father, you will, you will do some miraculous things. I already know, God, you want to get into our community. I know that you already want to get in our community and you're waiting on us to be your vessel. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just inspire that heart today. Stir that mind up. Give people ideas. Help them be creative, Father, that we might make connections. 
and friendships. And Lord, in what you do, we don't know. It'll be a surprise. So, Father, thank you, God. Bless our barbecue sauce, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.